We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. This is the story of Harry's. For decades, one big razor company has relentlessly increased prices and reaped immense profits at the expense of its customers. Then one day, an ordinary guy got ripped off buying razors. He was so fed up that he and his best friend started a company to fix shaving. They called it Harry's. By taking less profit and selling online, Harry's can offer quality blades for less. You can even get Harry's 5-blade razor and shave gel for free when you sign up. Just cover shipping. Click or go to harrys.com and enter code RAZOR at checkout. That's RAZOR, R-A-Z-O-R. Welcome to the Rotowire Prospect Podcast. We're back, James, after a couple week hiatus. Uh, you know, I, I was thought about doing the Prospect Pod with Derek, but it just wouldn't have been the same without you. Plus, uh, trade deadline week is just got lost in the shuffle, quite honestly. But glad to be back. You're back from Alaska. How how was the trip, James? Uh, I was pretty awesome. I you know it was it was kind of a weird time to be on vacation just because every you know the the wi-fi and the the 4g and 3g service was kind of spotty up there so you know i'd go to like the hotel lobby of where we were staying and use the wi-fi like every morning and just try to get caught up on all the moves that were going on but i mean there were just so many guys getting getting shipped out it was really kind of tough to keep track of of all that from afar but yeah i mean had a had a really good time saw a lot of uh, cool wildlife and stuff like that so uh definitely a, a success of a trip it's pretty awesome. Some of those pictures I saw uh, on Facebook, pretty amazing. Uh, and didn't you post an article from from there? 
Maybe uh, that was well, done I for see, him. I, like, yeah, I, I had a couple. I wrote a couple articles nice. before I left. Uh, I there isn't a, there isn't going to be a farm futures this week, unfortunately, just because I you know I was supposed to get in. Uh, I was supposed to get in like m- middle of the day yesterday, but my flight ended up getting delayed. Didn't get in till like eleven p.m. last night, and so that I just didn't have time to ride a farm futures this week. But uh, Tuesday it's going to be you know double double article basically in terms of content. So look forward to that. Yeah, it's the last month of the minor league season now. A lot of guys I got got my eye on, especially in anticipation of September calls, but also just to see, you know, how they end the season. Uh, you know, James, there, we had a couple Twitter questions while you were gone. Again, apologize to our loyal listeners. This guy is a loyal listener, Mike Chess. Uh, I answered this question on the Roadwire Baseball podcast yesterday, but I want to get your two cents. I think he's primarily a listener of the Prospect podcast, but uh, and neither doesn't have anything to do with prospects necessarily this question but it, in a, in a keeper league would you give a four-year contract to JD Martinez or Mookie Betts I think I know which way you'd probably go here um let me just look up how old JD Martinez is 27 27 see I said bets but it's pretty close I mean I think JD's an elite <laughs> slugger I just want to help Mike out because again I, he is a loyal listener Honestly, I think I'd go Martinez, um, and I that I've been high on Martinez all year. I've I'd been higher on Betts before the season, but I just sort of think Martinez's skill set's a bit rarer, a bit trickier to find. I mean, it's hard to get that kind of power, uh, and when you get a guy like that, you really don't want to let him go. Guys like Betts, I think, are a bit more common. Although his his skill set's pretty awesome too. I just I think it'd be tough to make up that power. And uh, yet another one. This one does have to do with a prospect a guy who I know checked in pretty high on your latest updated top two hundred. Hector Oliveira, of course, big, pretty surprising that he was moved. Dodgers eating that entire say what twenty nine million dollars signing bonus, something like that. Uh, but he is headed to the Braves. I think he could start playing in in rehab games pretty soon here. But Mike wants to know, do you think he's he steps right into an everyday role as as soon as he is a hundred percent? Yeah, I don't th- I mean there's no reason why they wouldn't. I mean it's they were the second highest team on Oliveira when he was kind of taking offers as a free agent. So obviously they they're a big fan and you know as we've said multiple times before, I mean just his age, everything involved with the contract, there's no benefit to not having him play when he's oh, ready. Yeah. I mean you want to get him as He's 30 already. Uh, yeah, you want to get him as integrated as you can or as soon as you can. You want him to get, get used to big league pitching as soon as possible. So even though their window as a contender isn't this season, uh, you definitely want to get him up as soon as you think he's ready. One of the more surprising deals of the deadline, I thought. I mean, there were a lot of – well, the Tulo one is probably the the one, but a three-team deal with Miami, Atlanta, and, and Los Angeles, definitely surprising. And we're going to be talking about – uh, most of the prospects, big name prospects, anyway, they were moved at the deadline today. Also, grading out the Wu Tang Clan on this episode. Yeah. I mean, this is this is kind of a monumental grade here. Yeah, I mean, yeah one yeah, that yeah. I'm going to have to live live with and stand by for for years. I to mean, come. I I think we I, we'd kind of been saving Wu Tang for for something. I don't know what we were saving it for necessarily, but it just it just uh, felt, felt like it. We kind of owed the listeners a Wu Tang grade out after after missing a couple of weeks there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And hopefully, you know, these grades spark some 
bit of a debate. The, it, maybe it'll get be, to us. I mean, maybe, maybe, but I mean, maybe not because it's like, what are you going to do? I mean, I, I don't think you're going to see any 50s. No. Maybe you <laughs> might not even some, see any 60s. Yeah, maybe Action Bronson <laughs> will get a little heated about some of these high grades, but looking forward to that later in the show. Uh, I enjoyed getting texts from you uh, while you were gone. I mean, a couple here and there, just reactions to trades. And, you know, I want to start with a trade that, you know, maybe definitely not one of the more, you know, headline grabbing trades, but one that I think is one of the more interesting trades of the deadline. You texted me, you said, the Reds getting Curimella may be your favorite haul of, of the trade deadline. And we were also talking before coming on, you said, you know, the Reds farm system after the Cueto, Mike Leak trades, getting a pretty big boost in your eyes. How how big uh, are those acquisitions for, for Cincinnati moving forward? Uh, yeah, I mean, that, that article I, I referenced that I'm going to put out on Tuesday is going to be a, the top 10 farm systems in the big leagues as of right now, you know, after all these promotions, all these trades, it's been a lot of kind of shuffling around uh, in terms of, you know, where all the, the talent is uh, that's left in the minors. I mean, a lot of it's been, you know, promoted and everything like that, but the reds are in the conversation for the best system in baseball from a fantasy perspective. In my eyes, I just, I look at their, their top 10 and I could either there's even a few names that aren't on their top 10 anymore because of all these trades that are, that are really solid. Uh, Mella. I, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think getting a guy like that, who to me is a, is a surefire top 100 guy and has kind of crazy upside. I mean, I, I don't have him. I mean, I think I had him rank. Okay. I had him rank 73rd on the last, uh, rankings, but you know, his, his ceiling is, not really indicative of that. Like I think he's got a legit number two ceiling. There's just there's more risk than than a lot of guys at high A, just because uh, there's questions about whether or not he can survive a full season. But I, I don't really think there's questions about the stuff. As long as he can prove that he can handle you know 180, 200 innings, I think he's got the the pitches to be a very effective starter. So uh, to get a guy like that for a rental who you weren't mm-hmm. bringing back. Uh, I know a lot of people love the leak acquisition for San Fran. I do like and, it. And I do too. I mean, I think it's a perfect fit for him. And I think he could resign as well. Yeah. Uh, I just didn't think that there was any way that Mello would be the guy or any way that like the Reds would even ask for. Yeah. I mean, like their top prospect. Uh, and I just, I don't know. I think you look at some of the other rentals that got moved and the guys that came back. I mean, like, uh, you know, Gerardo Parra with uh, the, Orioles I love I love the Zach Davies acquisition for the Brewers but Zach Davies and Curry Mella are not on the same uh, spectrum really and then you you have some other guys that you know kind of the the returns didn't seem to match up on some of these deals and I think the Mello one really was better than any Reds fan could have been hoping for there you know I, I give Walt Jockety some grief and having Ken Towers in his ear just kind of irks me but really like what he did within those two moves so hoping they would get Wheeler for Bruce, but apparently they saw something in the medicals, you know, that, that made him a bit hesitant to make that move. And you know, they still have him though as a trade piece for the winter meetings as well as, well as Chapman. And I think it was wise not to trade Chapman, especially because the the market for for elite closers really just dried up. I mean, the Diamondbacks were the were the major players there, so I uh, really like what they did. Now, now as far as Mella goes, power arm, but but how's the secondary stuff? I don't know a lot about his other offerings. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of what I was referencing. I mean, I think he has, he, it's not a, it's not a reliever profile. I mean, mm-hmm. I think the, 
the changeup is is the lesser of of his pitches right now, but it's still I think it could get to could get to fifty. Um, you know he's he's been throwing it. It's just it's a little inconsistent at times right now. Uh, the the breaking ball is you know I I think I think you could realistically uh, put a sixty on it. Um, you know I I don't know it's it's kind of I, I know there's a lot of people that think that he is kind of on the same level as guys like Tyler Beatty and uh, Adalberto Mejia in that system, but I I kind of think he's a, a tick above. I mean he's got. Uh, a ton of movement on the fastball. I mean, that's that's his best pitch, but I mean, it's it's really nasty. I mean, it it's got a ton of late life, and uh, everything kind of works works well together. And you just look at his numbers. I mean, he's really faced no uh, no issues against against the levels that he's been at so far. I mean, the real test will come when he makes that jump to to double A. Uh, that's kind of the big adjustment for, for any pitcher is, is making a jump from high A to double A, but I, I definitely think he's got this stuff to thrive there as well. Now for Johnny Cueto, the Reds got Brandon Finnegan, John Lamb, and Cody Reed. Cody Reed last night, second start for double for A Pensacola, eight innings, eight shutout innings, four hits, two walks, 12 Ks. I mean, pretty amazing. Uh, but, but from this bunch, the Reds got, I mean, three lefty, uh, arms, I really like the hall, and I think a lot of people, you know, agreed that the Royals overpaid, but that was uh, the price they had to pay to get an ace and to really get over the hump uh, in, in the postseason. Which of these three arms do you see having the most long-term fantasy upside? Uh, that's a really tough question because I think it's Finnegan, but I also, if you asked me which guy is most likely to end up as a reliever, I would say Finnegan. Mm -hmm. I just think that if he does make it as a starter, his upside is so much more than these other guys. Um, I don't think they overpaid. I I mean, I I think you can't say someone overpaid when you get a guy like Cueto and when you're in such a great position Mm -hmm. in terms of contending this season. I I mean, you you give up what you got to give up in that scenario. I mean that they needed a, a frontline starter to kind of, you know, if they're in a short series, like a five, five game series, like he could end up pitching close to 40% of their innings in a series, you know I mean? That's, that's pretty, that's pretty valuable. So I, I think it's, it's totally fine to give up guys like that. I didn't love giving up Mania for Ben Zobrist. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, that they're, they're kind of all in at that point, I guess. Uh, Lamb is probably the of the guys who I'm pretty sure will stick as a starter. Lamb's probably the best. Uh, He was really tough. I I didn't end up ranking him as a top 200 guy, just because he is kind of old. I mean, he's 25. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's been in the minors forever. I mean, he was part of that that uh, minor league class they had back in the day with Hosmer and Mustakas and everything that was getting people all excited. And he still hasn't made his big league debut. yeah, I mean, the age kind of comes into that a little bit. You can't argue with what he was doing at AAA prior to the trade. I mean, nine nine one six K per nine, two seven seven walk per nine. Uh, it's just a really nice depth haul for for the Reds there. I mean, you got three guys with the potential to stick in your rotation, and they already were kind of loaded in terms of arms before that deal. So, uh, just really love what they're doing. You mentioned some of the guys from the Red system might got might have been bumped out of the top 10 was Amir Garrett still in there in oh, your yeah. eyes okay oh yeah Good. um 
the guys the guys I bumped out were Nick Trevisio, Kyle Waldrop, and Sal Romano, uh, who I I still like all those guys. But uh, yeah, I mean Garrett's definitely in there. I'm pulling it up right now. Um, obviously, you got it helps. One of the reasons that they're in contention to be like the number one system in baseball is because they haven't graduated anyone this year mm-hmm. for for obvious reasons. But uh, or other Rysel Iglesias, I guess, but and Lorenzen, but none of the none of their big studs. Like still have Stevenson in the minors. Winker still in the minors. Uh, Phil Irvin, Blandino, Mella, Garrett, Finnegan, Lamb, Stevenson, and Reed is how I rounded out the top ten. I mean, that's nice. that's pretty awesome. Heck yeah, I would like to see Stevenson promoted. Uh, if not, you know, before September, then September latest. I just think with a guy like that, I mean, it, there's bullets in the gun. You use them, get him some experience. Yeah prepped for a, a full-time rotation spot next season well and yeah and i think it's important uh you see a guy maybe like Dan, uh, daniel norris where mm-hmm. you want to get him up there and you know if he's going to have issues against big league hitting let him kind of see what those might be so yeah exactly. he, he can work on that during sp- during the spring uh obviously a candidate to be in that opening day rotation next year i saw you picked him up in a league right as a speculatory uh, stake league, yeah. yeah i mean i think that that's in a deep like 16 team or deeper league i think that's a solid speculative ad just because of the i mean i think it's it's kind of 50 50 as to whether he would offer value even if he did get called up but there's a potential there for for big time value i think they should call i mean they're trotting out kevious samson (laughs) come on that's not a a made-up name (laughs) no it really is he had like a five era at like double a and they bring him up Fill a rotation spot. Well, look, what it's, about? It's going to be tough to stave off the Brewers for worst record in the <laughs> yeah. division. So they're they're making it tough though. They're gonna <laughs> they're gonna push for that that seller spot. <laughs> uh, but what about Cody Reed? I mean, I mentioned twelve Ks yesterday. But if you're talking about top two hundred, I don't remember seeing him there. But is he somebody that would even crack that that list? No, um, he's the he's definitely the third piece in that deal. I actually like Cody Reed with the Diamondbacks a bit more than than this Cody Reed. Uh, I don't know. I mean, granted that that last outing was awesome, but I don't know if he's got that kind of bat missing stuff. Really, I mean, if you mm-hmm. kind of look at his overall uh, production, so you know he's he's more kind of like a four or a five. But I mean, I think you know you need that obviously. I yeah. mean, look at what they just got for a four or five. They just got Curry Mella for a four or five. So yeah, uh, yeah I mean that's that's a fine third piece in a deal like that. Absolutely, and you mentioned you didn't love the the Royals giving up Sean Manaya. I thought that was an interesting deal. But you, I saw on Twitter you you're saying the A's really kind of slaying it, especially with that move. Numbers for for Manaya this season not not all that good. But uh, well, there's he, there's there's been some uh, reports that his his velo has been kind of an issue, and I'm sure that there's there's people that might. Uh, kind of suspect that he might be hurt, which is extremely possible. But I think if you can get him healthy, uh, maybe you don't, maybe you won't be in the big leagues next year. But if you can, you know, say you get him healthy in 2017 or 2018, I still think he has all the natural ingredients to be a number two starter. Um, yeah, I, I loved what the A's were doing. I mean, they they got a lot of kind of under the radar guys who, you know, I, I think I was higher than anyone on Manaya going into the year. Uh, I, I was kind of on Jacob Nottingham before a lot of people were, and Casey Meisner just made the top 200 on the latest rendition. So, I mean, they got a lot of guys who I'm, I'm pretty high on who I think 
you know, people, the everyday fan might not know who Jacob Nottingham is, but I mean, he might be one of the, the two or three best offensive catching prospects in baseball. And to get him uh, for a rental, I think was a great haul as well. Billy Bean's taken some grief over the past year or so, but I think he did a good job I mean, getting Manaya and Nottingham. This the system may look a little top heavy, but this I mean the top ten in this the system pretty strong. I mean they just lost Franklin Barreto possibly for the rest of the season, but he was really coming on. He's nineteen mm-hmm. only. For a guy who's nineteen at, at the level he was at, hitting the, for the kind of power at, at that shortstop position, I, I really like Barreto and, and a lot of the the, the pieces in that system might be a while before they compete, but I do think uh, they did a good job replenishing at the deadline. Uh, you know, I want to get to the, the Phillies Rangers trade in a, in a bit here, but when I ask you about the Tulo deal, do, do you think the, the Rockies got enough? Of course, Jeff Hoffman, really the, the centerpiece there, but do you think uh, that was a fair return for Colorado in terms of, you know, not just Reyes, Reyes aside really uh, in terms of prospects that got the kind of young talent they need? So I mean, it was it kind of a I mean, it looks like a salary dump, right? Like, I mean, essentially, but getting Hoffman is, is pretty right. Good. But I mean, that you know, getting Jose I mean, Jose Reyes is on a deal that I don't I don't even think I think he'd clear waivers right now. I mean, I don't even think yeah. that's a. I think contract. they might move him in a waiver deal. Yeah, I. I that's not. Um, I mean, just basically just getting Jeff Hoffman. I mean, essentially, they basically just got Jeff Hoffman in, in my eyes. I yeah. I don't see uh, any of the other pieces they got there being more than relief pitchers. Obviously, those are – you need those. Uh, I, I don't I don't think having Jose Reyes is good for the organization in, in, any, in any way because they're paying him a ton of money and they're blocking Trevor's story. It uh, doesn't make sense to me to, to kind of keep him around if there's a way that they can unload him. I think they will. I think it, it probably makes a lot of sense for him to end up in New York uh, with the Yankees. But uh, Hoffman, this this one kind of sucks. Just I mean, uh, Toronto's not a great place to pitch, obviously, but Colorado's you know way worse than Toronto, uh, just relatively speaking. I mean, I, there's been guys that have come through Toronto and be, been very useful in fantasy. Haven't been a lot... <laughs> Uh, been a lot of guys to go through Colorado and be useful and Hoffman is probably the big loser in terms of prospects just from the the trade deadline in terms of his dynasty league value just because I don't I'm not a big believer in uh, heavily valuing Rockies pitching prospects in dynasty league so you know this probably moves him I I moved him behind Ryan McMahon and Brendan Rodgers in the Rockies system obviously he was going to be behind Tapia and Dahl at the top there but I just it's so hard to take an arm over some some high upside bats like that at at nice positions. So yeah, I mean it's it's kind of a bummer if you're a Jeff Hoffman owner. It's kind of crazy. About a week before this happened, I, I offered a trade to a guy in Staff Keeper League one, Tulo at forty five A for Hoffman straight up. Really? He got turned down. <laughs> and so when when this happened, I was like, oh thank God I got turned yeah, down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean. Hoffman, I mean, I, yeah, yeah, Toronto's a tough place to pitch as well, but it's, no, it's not Colorado. Was that guy competing? Yeah. That's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I thought so too. But I mean, like, I don't, that's that's a trade you make all day long, like yeah. trading a pitching prospect. I think they were second. Coming off standard. of UC. Yeah, I, mean, I mean, prospects in, in the league, it's an 18-team dynasty keeper league. Prospects are, are so heavily valued, far more than an SKL2, which I think is, is strange. Well, that's, that's crazy because they're, crazy valued there they're yeah. like i'm in another expert uh dynasty league and they're not 
like I'm trying, I'm, I'm competing in that league and I'm like basically saying, Hey, like Ronaldo Lopez, Grant Holmes, like I'll give you these guys for just a bat that I can plug in right now. And just yeah. everyone's kind of hoarding, uh, you know, everyday players at the big league level. And that's, that's kind of tough. But I, I mean, if you, if you're in competition and can move one on one, uh, pitching prospect for two, for, for two low, I mean, that's yeah. pretty nice. And in a league like that with inflation, 45 is a keepable contract for a guy like two. So, I got a, I mean, I, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I've kept, I think I had, he was at item at 36, but inflation's more in SKL one. Cause it's been around longer. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, yeah. Any thoughts on the Rockies keeping Miguel Castro in a in a relief role, not not returning him, stretching him back out as a starter? I mean, I think that that was, I mean, that's kind of been the book on him for a couple of years now. It's like kind of a pipe dream. Like if he were to make it as a starter, I mean, he throws so hard that that'd be awesome. But I think everyone's kind of had him pegged as a reliever for a while. Now the the blockbuster that sent Cole Hamels to the the Rangers netted the Phillies a, a great haul of prospects. Now they did add 10 million mm-hmm. along with Hamels, Jake Diekman as well, and took on Matt Harrison's contract. But I, I love that move. I mean, maybe that saves Ruben Amaro's job. Do you think that's possible? I don't think so. No. Um, at least from what I know, he's kind of, he hasn't been calling the shots there for a while uh, okay. where he's, they're kind of using him as, you know, he, he's a part of the process in the sense that he's contacting teams and like seeing what they'll offer because he, he has relationships with some teams, uh-huh. you know, from his time in that role, but he's bringing those offers to uh, huh. the, the other guys that are making the shots there. So I, I don't think that saves his job. Um, but I think it's, you know, for the Phillies and their fans, this is pretty cool. I mean, that they're going to be, um, they're an easy top 10 farm system now after after this and uh i i think i'm higher on nick williams than a lot of people and a lot of you know you'll hear a lot of people that aren't um fantasy guys that are just kind of ranking prospects uh, for overall baseball skills that are kind of down on williams just because he still kind of carries that tag of a guy that has like questionable intangibles like work ethic and yeah. stuff like that uh I just don't I don't think I'm I disagree with that and just just from talking to him like I don't I don't get that vibe from him at all I mean I think he's obviously there have been times when he's uh, maybe shown a lack of focus in the field especially you know playing defense in the outfield there but I this is the guy that I think wants to be really good and the fact that he's already made so so much I mean if you were to just talk about all the prospects in baseball and which guy has made the biggest adjustments to increase his value this season. I think it might be Nick Williams. So, I mean, I think you can't really question his work ethic at that point. I mean, he's fixed the biggest issue in his game, which was, which was, you know, strikeouts. I mean, he was a guy that would chase tons of pitches out of the zone and he's been a lot better at that this year. So I ranked him just outside the top 10, I think in the latest top 200. So for me, he's, he might be the, the headlining piece there. Alfaro and Thompson, I think are kind of being labeled as the the top two guys there, but Alfaro to me is kind of a big, you know, it's a big gamble. I mean, the the reward is huge with him because you got the potential for a guy with a plus plus arm, plus plus power. Uh, but I also think it's it's debatable whether or not he'll hit enough for that power to really play up. Like I think he could be 
you know, if he can hit 250 or 260 against big league pitching, then I think he'll be an all-star. But mm-hmm. I also think there's a potential for him to hit like 225 or 230. So that'll really limit the the power and the speed. But I definitely like Jake Thompson as a, a solid number three, maybe number four, but uh, definitely not a number two. Yeah, strike zone concerns with Alfaro. Uh, but with Williams, I mean, the, the improvements he, he's made in that department, really strong evidence to the contrary in terms of that you know, the knocks of, in terms of work ethic. Yeah. Because him, you know, realizing the problem and, and making, uh, not only putting in an effort to make the changes, but having those uh, efforts and those changes show up on the field so quickly, really uh, a testament to, to what he was I, working on in the offseason. Also, just love that trade. If you're a Nick Williams owner, I love that trade. Yeah. Because you look at the, the situation in Texas, uh Williams isn't really a center fielder. Um, I mean, a, a big league center fielder, at least in my eyes. I think he's he's a guy you put in left field and just let him let him rake. But you know, he was going to face playing time issues in Texas because Nomar Mazzara, more advanced, uh, better player. I mean, he was going to get the first opening in a in a corner. The big chill. <laughs> Love that nickname. The big chill. Um, and then you know, Gallo might end up in a corner in time too. So I I just think this really opens up. Uh, guaranteed playing time uh, in the not-so-distant future for Nick Williams at the big league level. And just to really emphasize just how how much improvement Nick Williams made with the plate discipline, 28.7% strikeout rate last season at high A, 18.6% this year, 10%. Pretty yeah. amazing. So, And endearing himself to the fan base in a hurry. Two homers last night. Uh, I could see. Do you see a major league role maybe for Williams early early next year? Yeah, yeah. I think he'll he'll be up uh, probably by the All Star break. Uh, they, I mean, they they quietly all of a sudden have a pretty interesting little core there with yeah. you know Nola, Michael Franco. I mean, those guys have been really solid. And then once they get JP Crawford, Nick Williams, Jake Thompson up, Roman Quinn's not going to be far from the big leagues. Uh, you might see Alfaro you know, second half of next season. So, I mean, really, really exciting stuff going on in the Phillies organization. Absolutely. And that, that was, you know, I don't, I wouldn't have predicted. I know that they're, they're covering a lot of the cost in that, that Hamels deal via the Matt Harrison thing, but I just didn't see them getting, I mean, you, you definitely do that if you're them, if it, if it means getting three potential, you know, above average regulars and just adding not only, quality but quantity to your system i think you definitely take on that extra salary and i was really impressed with the haul they got me too don do you think on the other side the rangers gave up too much or do you think they still have enough in that system to where those guys uh were expendable to land an ace no, like Hamels? I, I like it um i like it for both sides yeah because you know like i just said like alfaro is a big time uh gamble you know if you're i don't think alfaro should be a reason why a deal doesn't get done like when you have a guy like Hamels coming back, uh, the fact the financial flexibility it kind of gives them with with the Phillies taking on the Harrison deal, um, and yeah, the Rangers, you know that piece I talked about there. I don't know if they're gonna make the top ten, but they they may still make it just because you know you still have Mazar, you still have Gallo, you still have Lewis Brinson, Ryan Cordell, uh, offensively, and then you know Luis Ortiz, Dylan Tate. I mean, there's there's a ton of high upside talent still in that system, so I think it was a move that really puts them in a good spot to contend next season. Absolutely. Well, glad to be back on the the Roadwire Prospect Podcast. 
going to be running at least to the end of August, and I could I'd imagine that the at that point we'll you know, may scale back a little bit, but there'll still be plenty to talk about the prospects. So I, I you know nothing set in stone, but I'm sure we'll continue not only in September but we'll probably the off season. yeah we'll probably do. I mean, we'll definitely do something around the winter meetings. We'll definitely do something fall around the, the fall league. Yeah, so, I mean, we'll be going to that. So, we'll obviously probably do one before and after. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, uh, still plenty more to come in 2015. Absolutely. Now, going to transition into grading our next hip-hop group. I'm definitely enjoying this, James. To this point, we've graded Gangstar, Outcast, Terror Squad, TS, <laughs> Bone Thugs, and Mob Deep. Uh, did we actually grade no, we Mobdy? Did, we didn't do. Mobdy. Okay, we didn't do Mobdy. We did input our grades, but I guess we haven't. <laughs> yeah, we talked we about cut that, that short uh, yeah. last week. Oh shit! Well, well, we'll get to we'll get we'll to get Mob to Mobdy very soon. But Wu Tang Clan, a big one. I mean, this is uh, this is my favorite hip hop group of all time, without question. I know there's kind of you know fake fans maybe wear Wu Tang Forever shirts. Don't actually can't name you a song other than Wu Tang Clan ain't nef- nothing to f with, but uh, one of my favorite groups. Also, love all the, you know, the solo albums for the most part. I mean, there's so many solo albums from Woo members, right. Woo affiliates, Killer Bees. Not I, as big a fan, but the core members, all, all plus for the most part. Yeah, I. Uh, I mean, we could do like a half hour convo just ranking the members. We could do a half hour convo just you know ranking our like ten favorite albums or. I mean, like for me, if I was doing like my ten favorite Wu albums, I think. I mean, obviously they haven't had ten albums as a group, so this would naturally some would be solo albums. But I think you know six or seven would be solo albums, yeah. um, and definitely two of my top five. I mean, maybe even two of my top three if you're just talking only built for Cuban links and Supreme clientele. I mean, that hell that might be one and two. Yeah, I mean, enter the thirty six chambers. Top five, Wu-Tang Forever, top five, Supreme Clientele. Top one. Number one, <laughs> without question. That's number one for me. Now, for for purposes of this podcast and just, you know, by my own standards, I do not count Capadonna as nice. a member of the Wu-Tang. Nice. I yeah. stand firm on that. So uh, <laughs> I tweeted out before we did this because uh, I, was, I was chatting with Andrew Laird online uh who runs our soccer stuff and is very knowledgeable hip-hop connoisseur that you know we might we might end up talking five minutes on capadonna just because he's such a damn shame like he (laughs) he comes on these tracks like he comes on you know woo banga on uh supreme clientele you know he's got verses all over wu-tang forever just just taking a big dump all over awesome <laughs> songs. Like I, I don't know why he has to be around. You know, I'll admit there are the occasional cap of verse that I, I can get into that I like, but the, I'd, I'd say probably like a 20 flow. Like, I mean, <laughs> the flow just doesn't seem to, to go. It's a, well. it's just not smooth. Yeah. Well below average flow and swag for Kappa. <laughs> Plus, it well seems below like... average impact. <laughs> <laughs> oh, for sure. Unless right. you're talking impact in the other direction, then it's a. Uh, I mean, remember seeing he had like a greatest hits album? Like, really? I mean, come yeah, on, well, that's a slap in the face. But like, uh, so I'm I'm on that trip I was on. I was I was banging a ton of Wu Tang. Uh, you know, 
being in Alaska, I listen to Glaciers of Ice, lots of uh, lots of Only Built for Cuban Links. <laughs> listen to, uh, you know, Wu Banga. I I only have like I've only got like you know I don't know two thousand or a thousand songs on my phone. Um, so only about five or six Wu Tang albums on there. Obviously, Supreme Clientele, Wu Banga comes on, and then I was like, oh man, I keep forgetting that Capadonna's got like a verse right in the middle of this thing. It's just <laughs> it's such a shame. Feels like that guy who's just like. Who just hangs around the clique, and then ultimately yeah. they just kind of like, wait, are you a member? Yeah. Are you not? Like, why do we let this guy hang out with us? Like, maybe we should just not not do that anymore. So that is just to be clear, he's not going to be yeah. weighing down. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Any None of, of these grades are are weighed down by Capadonna. Now, before we get into the grades again, I we we both talked about this a while ago, and it's hard to come up with. But if you had to rank the Wu members, I'm going to say. Oh god, this this thing is always so hard one too. But I'm gonna say Ghost Ray, Jizza. <sighs> well, let me hold on. Uh, so, would you rank them based on, you know, just them in a vacuum, or would you rank them based on their their importance to the group, or their like what? How are you? Or just how much you like them individually? Like as a yeah, like how a, much you personally like them? Yeah, how much I personally like that's all okay. subjective, I guess. And it's, uh, I mean, impact on the group, yeah. But I guess with some of the guys who rank in the bottom half, you know, didn't give their solo stuff much of a listen. Mm-hmm. So it's more so the collaborative uh, work with with a lot of those guys. Even though I did have uh, uncontrollable substance, I think, or uncontrolled substance, Inspected Dex album. Also had Master Killer's album. I, I mean, I had. If they released like an album before, I don't know, like two thousand two, then I have it like somewhere oh, on my yeah. computer. I may not have listened to it for a while, but yeah, I mean, I have the first Inspected Deck album. Uh, I even have You Gods first really? album, but Golden I, Arms, or something? yeah, yeah, but I haven't listened to that in at least a decade. I think I had that burnt, but. Well, I didn't. Not know. one I didn't, that got a lot of play. I didn't. <laughs> I didn't buy any of these. Yeah, to okay. be fair. Um, okay, that's good. But yeah, okay. So yeah. Uh, why don't Why don't you rank it in reverse order? Ooh, okay. Rank your guys in reverse um, order. I find that that can yeah. Be I think I'm gonna go. I think I'm gonna go. You God. Master Killer deck. Riza. Meth. ODB. Jizza, Ray, Ghost. Okay, I'll go. Anybody? I'll go. Master. No, I'll go. I'll go. You. I'll same. Same bottom two. You got then Master Killer, then Deck. I'm actually gonna put ODB at six. Okay, it's fair. And then <laughs> harsh but fair. Harsh <laughs> but fair. Um, Short career. Then. Uh, I'm actually gonna put this is this might be oh man it, the the one one is easily ghostface for me mm-hmm. um those four middle ones are so tough for me to arrange in terms of of method man Jizza, Raekwon, and Riza uh just because i I value if it was just strictly rapping, then obviously Riza might even be seventh um but the those yeah. beats i mean yeah. I mean, that, just it's just so. It's the backbone of Wu-Tang. right, right. Um, I'll I'll put Method Man at five. 
Jizz at four, Riz at three, Raekwon at two. I think Riz's verse in Triumph is enough to, to warrant like at least a middle spot. <laughs> Perpendicular to the square. Stand cold like flare. Escape from the dragon's lair in particular. Um and also I gotta Well yeah. that Dex Dex verse on oh, Triumph yeah. might be enough to Every, put him in the top. Slays <laughs> on that track. And with Rayquan, I mean I'm a he's two on, on my list, but he's a top five guy for me all the time. And I gotta listen to his new album, Fly International Luxurious Art. That's like a, <laughs> such a classic Ray title. Yeah, I haven't uh-huh. I haven't heard that. I mean, Raekwon. I mean, Ghostface is. I mean, Supreme Clientele is my favorite album of all time. Like, period. Uh, so, obviously, if I like Ghostface that much, I'm gonna like Raekwon quite a bit. Uh, you know, the stuff on Iron Man, the stuff on Only Built for Cuban Links. Uh, you know, really, really strong. Uh, bulletproof wallets. Yeah. yeah. You listen to Winter Wars while you're oh, up yeah. there? I feel like that'd be yeah. a good Alaska song yeah. or something. Yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> All right. So I got an 80 lyricism without question. You do as well. There's no real point. I mean, these guys. <laughs> no real point. No real point in going into this. <laughs> no. I mean, they're just from top to bottom. And even the, even you got in, in Mastakilla were, were wordsmiths, you know? That's right. That was their calling card. Right. Uh, yeah, no, no real point there. Um, <laughs> Let's get into flow then. Uh, you know, flow. Actually, we disagree here. I didn't expect to disagree here. Uh, I put an eighty on it. Um, I would actually put flow. Like, if if I could go higher than eighty, I would put it ahead of lyricism, wow. just because their flow, like, kind of as a group, like. Yeah, it's just so chemistry. ridiculous. Like the the tracks where like all nine guys have verses, or like seven guys have verses, and they just sort of it like fits so well together. Like it's just nonstop, and like you you might not even really have a hook uh, connecting them, and you know just some of the the rhyme styles that they have that like no other groups uh, really utilize, where they're you know kind of off the uh, it's it's not just it's not a typical rhyming pattern where you go boom 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 it's gonna be like boom like you know pause and then back to it you know it's Mm -hmm. it's very very unique flow uh rhyme schemes are always great right yeah i mean i i I put an 80 on that i got a 70 and mainly weighed down by i mean i don't like i like rizza to a certain extent but i don't really like his flow like i feel like his flow like he's always like yeah. I just don't really like his delivery and, and a guy like you got Mastakilla again certainly some high points but I think they kind of weighed it down to where even Inspected Deck I, I just think you know Raekwon Ghost I mean they set the bar uh, even Jizza in terms of flow but I think the other guys kind of lack that kind of originality about, and, and marquee sound that, or you know Original sound that that I like. How about Method Man's flow on the song Method Man? <laughs> M-E-T-H. I mean, that's about as 80. That's Rick Rude of <laughs> of hip-hop uh, flow, probably. Did you give it uh, a Better Tomorrow any spin? Uh, no. No. Did you? I, what do you I, think of that? Look, album? I still got a... Like, I am so behind on um, probably... Let's see what's the last Woo album I really gave a listen to? Eight diagrams, eight diagrams, and then uh, was it Ray? Was did Raekwon have a uh, Shaolin versus Wu? No, uh, even before like only built for Cuban two, links too. Yeah, yeah, 
Only both Good Cube Elm. Elm. 2 and 8 Diagrams are the last two Wu albums I've heard. I would recommend checking out Shaolin vs. Wu-Tang by Raekwon and, and A Better Tomorrow. I mean, it's probably their worst album. I, granted, there's some clunkers on there, but it's a Wu-Tang album. What do you think some, their third best uh, group album is? I think it's I think it's the W. I'm a big W fan. I might say Iron Flag, quite honestly. I think even though I mean it's the probably got to be one of those sick. two. I, I'm a big fan of the W. Um, I do like it, but I just remember being a little let down. Protect your neck, the jump off. Ooh, of course, <laughs> first classic song. Uh, so we'll let's get into longevity. I got a seventy here. I feel like they're not. Yeah, I mean you see those kind of like hipsters wearing Wu Tang shirts nowadays, but I feel like people actually listening to it not as not as high as it should be in terms of number of people yeah this was my lowest grade i gave it a 65 uh i really think i obviously this is the case with most groups but you can easily kind of pinpoint wu-tang's prime Mm -hmm. um you know the basically the the two years before and after wu-tang forever is basically their their prime i mean wu-tang forever was at the absolute apex of their kind of popularity and, and powers. Yeah. Uh, but then I think I, it's hard for me to make the case that they didn't kind of fall off sort of substantially, I would say, after. I think the last kind of classic album to come out from them was Fish Scale. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think everything after that is is very uh, subpar, just relative to the, the stuff they released in their peak. Um, you know, I think Wu- Wu-Tang's kind of a a much more uh you know a rich man's version of like bone thugs in terms of their their true their core fans are just going to listen to them you know forever mm-hmm. uh and if you didn't grow up like when wu-tang was wu-tang then you may never listen to them you may you just know? not get it yeah I yeah you know. may, yeah you might just not get it yeah and i think it's also worth noting with this grade that i mean i got a 70 high grade i think in the industry they're highly respected and they definitely in terms of that, like New York lyrical sound had a, had a pretty big impact, but uh, none of the members really. I mean, Method Man had branched off and had a successful solo career, but none of these guys are really mainstream, mainstream guys anymore. People, I mean, of course, Ghost was in the news recently with his beef with Action Bronson, but it's not like uh, you, we see these guys or hear them on the radio on, on TV much at all. Well, uh, Riza and Method Man Rizzo. have acting careers. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but you're not gonna, like gonna, highly successful. Uh, <laughs> hey, I mean, to, to have an acting career, I mean, that's that's not bad. No, um, I mean, he was in like, J- Riza was an American gangster. I remember that. Riza was an American gangster. Riza was in a season of uh, Californication, if you oh, believe yeah. that. Oh. Um, I think he, yeah, I think he's he's been in some stuff. Uh, Method Man obviously was in The Wire and the, mm-hmm. the classic movie How High. Um, <laughs> Very classic. <laughs> uh, I was actually talking to Laird. I like we were talking about how Capadon is just a disgrace to the name <laughs> Wu Tang. <laughs> I was, I'm kind of pissed that Redman didn't get on more tracks. Yeah, Redman should have been that like Red. That he should have been the guy member. that was like sort of the half in, half out tenth mm. man. Uh, you know, just for what he did on Buck Fifty and and Red Bull alone. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah. So are we on to impact then? Yeah, we'll just move into that. I got a seventy-five. Yeah, I put an 80 just because, and then so much of this has to do with uh, RZA just because of the, the beats, like that, mm-hmm. their whole beat style just got so jacked. Um, if you listen to uh, the Reunited beat, like mm-hmm. that basically 
inspired every single beat on Kanye West's first two albums. Like it's pretty yeah. pretty blatant. I mean that there's like you know with the violins and stuff. Um, I mean I love that track. Yeah, there's so much, so much uh, kind of copying of RZA's beat style. Uh, you know, so much copying in terms of the the rhyme patterns. I don't think anybody kind of really does a good job of uh, copying it, but everybody that i mean every guy that's rapping i mean like drake's got a song on his last studio album called wu-tang forever i mean like all these mm-hmm. guys that are coming up right now definitely listen to wu-tang uh, non-stop in the late 90s early 2000s i think it should be an 80 but i just feel like on society like in the, in the 90s early 2000s yeah very big impact but i feel like now like the impact on the current game i mean well raekwon releases an album Anybody releases an album. I mean, even even a better tomorrow drops, and seems like nobody cares. Well, I guess I don't mean like impact in terms of what they're doing now. I just mean impact in terms of how they impacted the industry. Right. Yeah. yeah. I I agree. A huge impact, and that's why seventy five. Obviously. Also, I think I I could be wrong about this, but they were kind of one of the first, um, you know, groups to really kind of say like f the record labels. Um, mm. Like they made a ton of money like for themselves off of their first couple albums when you know a lot of a lot of rappers at the time were signing like terrible yeah. contracts where they weren't making a ton of a cut at all so and they they were kind of ahead of the game i think in terms of you know memorabilia and stuff like that oh, and really absolutely. kind of branding themselves that way so uh yeah i mean and when it, you're never going to see another nine member rap group no. ever again like no. you're just not that's just and if there happen. is one it's gonna be terrible and think about think about those groups that were trying to copy them like the like rough riders was trying to copy oh, them course. and like you know you, you just can't you can't do that i mean no. there's no there's no possible way to duplicate wu-tang there's something very organic in how it all started of course and a lot of these i mean rizza jizza i think odb were related if i'm not mistaken but this really was, I mean, a Wu family for a lot of years. I know there's been some some tension, some beef recently. But I think you make a good point about them, you know, being ahead of the curve, not only with, like, distribution, but uh, they also, you know, had the Wu Mansion production. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, having your own studio like that and having a place where you all kind of, you know, it's all centralized, you all kind of gather at a certain place, record the music. I think that's... Um, Definitely, probably had a lot to do with their their chemistry together. Now you mentioned ahead of the uh, ahead of the times too, with, in kind of the trendsetters with uh, merchandise. Eighty swag for me, and that's not even counting easy eighty, easy, 80. <laughs> and that's not even counting you know their own merchandise. No. Which I think you know you hear swag, you may think, oh yeah, they got woo wear. If you want to see if you want to see what eighty swag looks like, look at the cover art on Bulletproof Wallets, and then get back to me. <laughs> <laughs> just get that whole album look at the the manual yeah the look book. at the look at the booklet inside yeah. of bulletproof wallets and then get back to me about 80 grade swag <laughs> <laughs> this is a very good point oh, or just watch i mean you could watch uh triumph yeah i mean you could watch triumph yeah. especially the the last couple versus rain ghost and that yeah. like pri- little or, prison song. or watch the cherish like ghost video oh <laughs> i love that video that actually that that's that's tough because that might be enough to put you got ahead of Mastakilla for me. Ooh, but that's a good point. Mastakilla, Mastakilla yeah. had better solo stuff than you got. Yeah, but I mean that's not saying much. I liked 
I like Master Killer's, you know, his lyricism, but he really didn't have much of a personality at all. It seemed no. like he wanted to be Jizza, but he just yeah. didn't really yeah. have that. He's like a, a homeless man's Jizza. <laughs> his verse in Triumph too. Though. I mean, I keep coming back to that, but also it's yours. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if you, if for some reason, you don't haven't seen these videos or just don't remember them. Look at the cover art in uh, Wu-Tang Forever. I mean, that's, yeah. that's pretty... I mean, I loved they, all the nicknames. Also, yeah, yeah. Like, they all have, like, three different nicknames. Yeah. And, like, the the Clark Wallabies, the, the, the Chuck... <laughs> the Wu Wallabies. The, the Wallas, where they were, like, in the intro of uh, Glaciers of Ice, where they're talking about how to dye their shoes, how you dye <laughs> the shoes and make them a bunch of funky colors. Oh. Just the suede, oh, those <laughs> things were beautiful. I wish I could, wish I could dust off a pair of those, get them, but I know they're really expensive now. Yeah, uh, I'm trying to think of some other great, just images. What if we're talking about just all in the realm? I mean, Supreme clientele, well, bulletproof wallets. Also, uh, ODB's uh, cover on For the, the first and, return and, and of please. the please. No, oh, uh, and where okay, he's got yeah. the where he's dressed up basically like rick james and he actually (laughs) that whole album i think is like a concept album basically where he's trying to be rick james the entire album essentially yeah singing like (laughs) that but just being the worst singer ever pretty amazing something beautiful about odb singing though (laughs) and i wish you know i wish we could get like a bulletproof wallets poster in the office or something i I wouldn't put it in the office i'd put it in my home yeah i'd get it framed I mean, bulletproof wallets and Cameron's purple haze to me are are just the the epitome of album cover swag. Absolutely, <laughs> and you know if we're throwing Kappa in, I mean he may drop this like fifteen points, but thankfully, yeah. we are luckily not. we don't have to involve yeah. Kappa in this swag grade. Overall seventy five for me, highest grade I've given out. You got an eighty, which I certainly see, and I, I probably should do that, but I just you know. Uh, me giving out a 75 here means I, I will never give out an 80. But that is what that means. Yeah, that's yeah. what it means. Yeah. And Which is fine with me. And me giving Wu-Tang an 80 means I'll never give out another 80. Yeah, because so they are 80. That's spoiler alert for all future podcasts. And just for, you know, refer, or like, you know, to compare, I had Gangstar at 70, you had a 72. Outcast 70 for me, you had 75. Terror Squad, 30. You had 25. <laughs> Bone, Thug, Bone Thugs, 55 for me. You, 75. That'll do no, it. I had, a, I had a 50 on Bone Thugs. I'm sorry. Yep. 55 for me, 50 for you. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, I, I feel like we could go maybe on about we'll, Wu-Tang. We'll, maybe we'll do Mob Deep next week since we already have them graded out. For sure. Thank you guys for listening. Glad to be back. Uh, let us know if you have any recommendations for future groups. And be sure to rate and review the podcast if you get a chance. Thanks for listening. We'll be back with you next week. This is the story of Harry's. For decades, one big razor company has relentlessly increased prices and reaped immense profits at the expense of its customers. Then one day, an ordinary guy got ripped off buying razors. He was so fed up that he and his best friend started a company to fix shaving. They called it Harry's. By taking less profit and selling online, Harry's can offer quality blades for less. You can even get Harry's 5-Blade Razor and Shave Gel for free when you sign up. Just cover shipping. Click or go to harrys.com and enter code RAZOR at checkout. That's RAZOR, R-A-Z-O-R.